What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Keeping things inside is so hard. Even if there's only one person you tell everything to that you trust, it's so freeing being able to vent in a safe space. And to some that's a therapist, it could be a manager, a mother, a brother, a friend, you know, whoever it is, I think just to have your safe space and your person, because when you can get things off your chest and get either if you need validation or another opinion about it or just someone to listen and to say, I hear you, that does wonders. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, guys, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I'm your big sister and your host, Violetta. And today, my special guest is Sheena from Vanderpump Rules. Hi. Hi. A little introduction. She's currently on season 11. That's playing right now on Vanderpump Rules. I've been watching it. She's also a singer, devoted mother, advocate for mental health awareness. And today we are going to dive into her experience as a new mother, her journey with postpartum OCD and thoughts on the latest episode drama, along with what we should expect this season. Let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> Let's get started. Um, so I've been watching Vanderpump Rules season 11. Thank you so much for coming to my show. Yeah, of course. What's one thing that you wish that people understood about you that you feel like maybe they don't get to see on the show? I feel like people think I try to make every situation about me mm-hmm. because sometimes I think I over explain or I'm trying to defend myself and I feel like it always comes across wrong I try to be self-deprecating and it's like oh there she is being Sheena again I'm like no I was just trying to make a joke and I am in on the joke but I don't think that always comes across that way but at the end of the day I'm just a person who really tries to keep the peace as much as possible let go of anger and just those type of feelings because it doesn't serve me. And I think the best journey for my mental health is to have as much peace in my life as possible. And I just try to do what's best for me at the end of the day, because then I will be the best mom for my daughter. Hmm. Do you feel like being a mother now kind of change your perspective on how you show up on the show? Yes and no. I think if anything, I'm even more open now than I've ever been. In my relationship this season, you saw a little preview of what's to come next week, but you'll see those arguments and uncomfortable conversations that I don't think I've really ever shown in past relationships on the show. And I just want to show my daughter that it's okay to be who you are, all of who you are, to be open to share your experiences, because I know by being 
as truthful as possible, people are going to be able to relate to me. And if you don't like me based on all of me, that's fine. Not everyone's going to like me. But it irritates me when I'm judged on a version of myself, an edit of myself, because I'm like, but you don't have the whole story. Right. But you can't always get the whole story on an ensemble cast show. So Right. And not everyone even cares to try to get the whole story. Totally. The rather usually people just project how they feel about themselves and the world onto other people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it doesn't matter what how good you are as a person. You can be you can do charity your whole life and someone's gonna be like, Well, she's obviously doing it because she's a narcissist and she wants everyone to just think she's such a good person. No, literally. <laughs> I'm like, I could save a drowning puppy and it'd be like, Oh, she just needed a storyline. She's doing it for attention. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, no, the puppy was drowning. <laughs> exactly. But I did see the preview for next week with you being so anxious about having someone else babysit your daughter, mm-hmm. which I, I feel as I have a sister who has kids and I feel like that's pretty normal. So I was kind of curious as a new mother, what would you say some of your biggest fears or concerns about trusting someone else with the care of your child, especially during early days? I think it's just you don't know how someone else is going to be with your kid until you get to know them with your kid. You know, you're literally just going off a list of references or referrals and hoping they're going to take care of your child. What if she chokes? What if she falls down? What if she hurts herself? You know, and I'm not there. But then I also worry that if that happens when I'm with her and it's just the two of us. So a lot of those fears, I think, too, when you're a little older and you have kids and I had a pregnancy loss and I cannot carry another child and just she might be the only kid I ever get and I want to get it right and I want to keep her safe and I want to protect her. And I know I've needed to let go of that control a little bit because for my marriage, we needed help outside of my mom, which, spoiler alert, we now have. And she's amazing. You'll meet her later this season. But it was not easy for me to be able to let someone else take my kid to the park. Well, I'm sure that that must be really hard. I can't even let someone else babysit my cat. <laughs> I have to have my mom stay in my house when I'm out of town. Yeah. So I can't imagine a child. Mm-hmm. Was that hard to have those conversations with Brock? Was he always understanding? Or would you say sometimes it felt as if you were just speaking to a wall? It's never felt like I'm speaking to a wall. It has been difficult for him to understand, though, because he doesn't have OCD. He doesn't have the anxieties and fears like I have. We grew up extremely opposite. I was an only child for 12 years. He was the youngest of five. I grew up in the city. He grew up on a farm in New Zealand. Like there are just so many differences and just cultural differences. The way life is in New Zealand and Australia is very laid back. Everything will be all right. No big deal. And here it's like, ah, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. What about this? What about that? And so I love that for Summer that she gets both of those types of parents, you know, so she'll be cautious, but still have no fear and take chances. And I love that for her. But it's hard when I'm trying to explain to him about my intrusive thoughts because he doesn't understand that. And when I'm trying to explain my fears and my anxieties, but I've done a lot of therapy over the last year. We are very open with our communication. And I think he understands better now Mm. what I've been going through in my head because I didn't vocalize it for almost a year and a half because I didn't want to seem like I was crazy. I get that. Have you did you get a lot of support from other 
from fans who were watching who are also new mothers like you? I've had so much. And that makes me so happy. Not that other people are going through the same thing because I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But just that me being open and sharing something that not a lot of people open up about is helping others know that they're not alone, that I'm going through something that is relatable. And I've had numerous people, friends, family, strangers, comments in the DMs be like, oh, my God, thank you for opening up about this because I thought it was just me. Right. What's a question that you wish someone would have asked you that they never have so I can ask you? <laughs> oh, uh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything. So basically, you're just an open book and everyone I, has asked I you really, everything. I really am an open book. Mm. I like to put it all out there. There's nothing I haven't like, not talked about. I feel like I try to be as open as possible because I do know that shared experiences, you know, that's what life is about. Being able to relate to people, whether you know them, you don't, you're watching them on a TV show. It does help you to know that you're not alone. Yeah. What did you mean when you said on the after show that you're never the queen of the show and you're okay with that? See, that's what I mean about being like self-deprecating where I'm right. like, I'm in on it. Like, I get it. I've never been the favorite on this show. And that's okay because I feel like I am misunderstood at times. I do think that sometimes the way I explain things, people think I'm trying to make it about me where I'm just like, when am I allowed to make it about me? Because even my own wedding last season wasn't allowed to be about me. It was somehow about Katie. Right. And I'm like, but it's my wedding. Even like my birthday parties and things. I'm like, am I ever allowed to have a moment where it's about me? And I feel like I'm not. And so I feel like because I've been kind of put in this corner on this show for a while, that it almost forces me to not be as open about my feelings and certain things like that. So when I try to make a joke, then it doesn't come across the right way. But I'm like, no, it just, I don't feel like I've ever been the number one girl in this group. And I've accepted that. I'm happy to be a part of an ensemble cast. And I support everyone else on the show. Right. But for you to make that comment, obviously, maybe it does bother you a little. Like you just said, your wedding, you couldn't even make it about you. So, yeah, because it's frustrating when people don't just let me be me. And I'm constantly criticized for any version of me. Anything I do, I feel like is judged harder than the other girls on the show. I feel like I'm held to a different standard in my friendships than anyone else. It's like... There was one week, for example, on a Tuesday, I decided to just not be on social media. Didn't even know, honestly, in LA, when you don't have a normal job, sometimes the days blend. I don't even know what day of the week it is all the time. And this Tuesday, I was taking a day off my phone to spend time with my kid, drive out to Palm Springs, and just not be on my phone. And the next day, the internet had a field day with, oh my God, Sheena and Ariana must be fighting because she didn't post for people to vote for Dancing with the Stars last night, and she didn't this. And I'm like, did Lala, did James, did Katie, did Schwartz, did anyone else post last night? I checked. No one posted, but I was the only one getting shit for it. And it's like I'm held to this higher standard where I have to go above and beyond to make up for things that other people think when no one else has to. I Why could do have, you think that is? I don't know. Maybe because I'm an easy target because I'm nice and sometimes... My kindness, I think people can 
walk all over me a little bit because they know I'll forgive because that's in my nature. Mm. And it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm just trying to make decisions that I feel happy about and that are going to put me in a good position as a mom, as someone who can go to sleep at night feeling good with how they lived their life that day. So if you're saying that everyone's going to judge you no matter what, so it doesn't matter, then do you think there is going to be then a show that you finally just decide, fuck it, if everyone's going to hate on me or judge me, I might as well then be the Britney Spears of the show? I mean, I feel like season 11, I'm trying to <laughs> do that. And, you know, I know what I lived. I know how the season ends. We still have the reunion to film, but that's really what I'm trying to do is just what's best for me and to make decisions that maybe the world isn't going to agree with and to be okay with that. So what do you hope for the fans to take away from watching this season 11 with you in it? Just to give me some grace and just to understand that I'm trying to figure this all out. I'm trying to navigate years and years long of friendships and ultimately do what's best for me and not just hold on to anger and hatred and live that kind of life because that doesn't serve me. Having those type of feelings towards anyone. I mean, I've been able to get past a lot in this group, a lot of harsh words and situations with mainly the girls who I'm now friends with. So I've been able to get past a lot of stuff. And I just know that when I let that go and I can walk into a room and just feel like I can be cordial with everyone, I have more inner peace. Right. And that matters to me more than pleasing the entire audience. So with Sandoval saying out of everyone, it's been such a loss to lose Sheena. So are you saying that because you don't want people to judge you for someone forgiving him? And were you guys always that close? I feel like I. Yeah, we were for that. almost 15 years. And that was a really hard friendship to lose based on his actions. Right. You know, I had to just be team Ariana and have her back. She was devastated. That didn't make it easier for me losing him at the time. And then fast forward, I'm sitting down with Lisa and she's telling me that he's suicidal and I've lost someone close to me to suicide before. So that kind of shifted my mindset where I'm like, I've got to stop coming for this guy because I can't be the cause if he does something. I can't have that on me. I don't know if you guys remember a while back, I was talking about how I was having issues with my hair around last year with my hair shedding and thinning issues. And I didn't know what it was, whether it was stress or the hair extensions that I was using, whatever it was, I decided that I wanted to re-nourish my hair and start from scratch. So I took out my hair extensions and then I did all this research and that's when I found out about Nutrafol. Nutrafol supplements and now I started taking every single morning. And uh, basically I started doing four in the morning. And in six months, I saw the biggest difference, not just in my hair, but I even saw it in my lashes, in my eyebrows. And then of course, duh, with my hair. And the weirdest thing even started helping me with sleeping better. I know it's crazy because Nutrafol is natural and it's a hundred percent drug free. And I was shocked by the difference that I saw. And I know I wasn't the only one. 
Not only that, but Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people who have seen thicker, stronger, and faster growing hair with less shedding. It's physician formulated with drug-free ingredients. Nutrafol supplements support healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, including stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism as they evolve throughout a woman's life. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is so simple. All you have to do is purchase online. There's no prescription required. has free shipping and automated deliveries. Ensure that you will never miss a day. And you will usually see results within three to six months. All you have to do is take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. That's what I did. So take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. And for a limited time right now, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off of your your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter my promo code ADULTING. So why not find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair and that is Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com using my promo code ADULTING. Once again, that is Nutrafol.com using my promo code ADULTING for healthier, thicker hair. Love ya. Okay, yeah. So I was when I was doing my research or stuff, aside from watching obviously the show, and I was going through just different comments on Reddit and a lot of people had different thoughts about it. And I, I do think it's um it's a very mm, you don't want to say the wrong thing, especially when someone says talks about something like that. It is very serious and and you have to remember that that even though you're watching them on TV, there are still human beings, mm-hmm. even though he did he did do something wrong. So some people had different thoughts. Like one person I saw on Reddit say, so to be clear, Ariana's mental health was a joke to him and we are supposed to then take his struggle seriously? Are you joking? And someone else said, he knew what he was doing when he said that to Lisa. It's so gross and so manipulative. Mm -hmm. As someone who's lost several people to suicide, he can just shove it. So do you think he was playing on Lisa's empathy or do you think there is something to what he was saying? I don't doubt he was suicidal at a time. I don't doubt that he was in a really dark place when he had the entire world coming down on him. And this is something that you'll see later in the season where I point out Ariana's mental health and how that was made public, something that should have been kept private in their relationship. It was like a whole other betrayal. There was the affair That was awful. But then you're going to go and weaponize her mental health against her. And as someone who has now experienced the darkest place you've ever been in, how do you not have empathy? How are you still trying to come at her and make excuses for your behavior and double down? It's just not okay. Right. So without giving away too much, can we expect Sandoval to actually be more sorry for his actions versus just saying sorry like does he actually finally show it or I only know the conversations that I had but you know there's a lot of things that are filmed when you're not there so (laughs) we'll see I'm very interested to see how the rest of the season plays out because going into the reunion you know we're gonna have some tough conversations to have would you say from the beginning of the show of filming to now the reunion, a lot of different, a lot of the relationship dynamics have changed? Not really. Okay. I think people think things are one way based on 
oh, I saw them hang out this one time. Oh, I saw this this one time. And it's like, you don't know the conversation that I was having with him that one time because I was defending Ariana. Just because I'm in someone's hotel room doesn't mean he's my best friend. Right. So I think that things appear maybe chummier than they actually are. Considering the somewhat the calculated nature the Sandoval has, do you think with the actions this season, it seems like he's trying to kind of garner sympathy and he's attributing blame to everyone else around him? Do you think this season is kind of setting the stage for a Sandoval's redemption arc? I think that's what he would hope and maybe that's what he's trying to do. But his actions and words are going to show if that's even possible. Got it. And do you think when, because a lot of people on Reddit, when I was looking at it, had a lot of different opinions. Do you think when Sandoval said how the biggest loss he had was the friendship with you, do you believe that he actually felt remorseful and bad for losing you and he genuinely missed you? Or do you think it's because some people would consider you the easiest to crack? I think the audience will think the latter. I do genuinely believe, and you'll see a moment that him and I have in Tahoe coming up, I do believe that was genuine. He really did feel that way about me, which then made me feel guilty because I'm like, how do you have more genuine feelings towards losing me than Ariana? That's crazy. Yeah, I think a lot of people are confused by that. Because we were that close. Okay, so when you guys saw each other, sir, and you're like, I'm not going to talk to you right now. Let's go in the back. I think some people were confused about why you acted so cold to him when you first saw him at Sir, because they said because it was said that you actually texted him before filming, encouraging him to reach out to you after his friend passed away. And then it seemed like you were then kind he of blocked sending me signals. OK, yeah. So that made it very clear. Yeah. I don't fuck with you anymore. We are not friends. I don't need you to be here for me. So, yeah, then I got cold again. What does your relationship stand now after you guys finish filming? Not close. Yeah. And uh, what would you say about some of your friends in the show saying that you or calling you that you're kind of a friend that flip flops? I don't think it's flip flopping. I think I try to see all sides. I think I try to understand where everyone's coming from. And at the end of the day, I try to make the decision that is best for me and for my soul and what helps me sleep at night. And if that means forgiving someone for something they said about me and being able to move on, that's what I need to do for me because I can't live with just anger and hatred inside of my heart and soul every day. That does not fuel me. I have to find a path to forgiveness in certain ways. That doesn't mean you're back in my life 100%. It's just like, yeah, you said something fucked up to me. So did she. So did she. So did she. We've found a way to get past that. But it also doesn't mean things go back to normal. No, I'm on your side. I personally agree with everything you're saying. I think it's uh, it's a waste of your life kind of harboring so much anger mm-hmm. towards someone, especially when... Yes, obviously you're you're close or were close with Ariana, but it wasn't it's not your relationship and you did have a separate relationship with him and you're a new mother. And I think wouldn't you agree that when you become a mother, a lot of things that used to be important for you kind of change? Totally. Now it's all about her and me being the best version of myself for her. 
And when I was going through all of the restraining order and court and all of that, I was not okay. And she saw me have multiple breakdowns at home. And I'm like, I can't keep living my life like this because it affects her. She sees me sad. She's like, no, mommy, don't be sad. Don't be sad. And I'm like, that breaks my heart. So it's like, I need to find a way that I'm not breaking down at home in front of my kid. Like I have to figure out a way that I can be happy and I can be okay. And if that means I have to forgive someone for something shitty they said to me, then I forgive them for that. I don't forgive him for the affair. He didn't have the affair on me. That is a separate issue. But for the shit he said to me at the reunion and on the phone that night, I have to figure out a way that I can move past that because holding on to that is unhealthy. I agree. I agree. And I think you are a good mother. Don't Thank you. <laughs> Would you say that you and Ariana are good friends at the moment? Yeah, definitely. I just saw her yesterday, actually. That's amazing. Yeah, her little bit of time in L.A. I got to see her at the interview stage. We spent 30 minutes together before she had to make her flight and get back to New York. But I was just there for opening night to see her on Broadway so incredible and we're good despite what people think we're good and we always have been good there's never been a falling out yeah and she understands where you're coming from about just needing to forgive people yeah i think as adults we in general this isn't high school as adults you kind of have to just do what's best for you and your family mm -hmm. that's what you have to worry about now yeah definitely you made a pact with katie who i love in episode two to prioritize your friendship with her now the filming is done would you say that's going well did you guys keep that pact yeah i think so we were just at the people's choice awards together on sunday oh, yeah, I saw that. so much fun i was at her birthday dinner a few weeks ago and i think we are in a good place i think we finally understand each other a little better i mean i still have to see her side of the conversations, you know, the season when it plays oh. out. <laughs> right. That's but I'm like, this season we got through being friends after a season of probably our lowest point in our relationship to being able to get along for the sake of our other friends and just to remember that we do enjoy each other's company. And I do think her and I are in a good place. That's good. So who would you say you're currently the closest with from the show? Definitely Lala. I think the kids have bonded us on a level that you couldn't possibly understand unless you have a friend like that. Our moms are best friends. Our siblings are friends. We have houses next door to each other. Our kids are going to go to school together. So we are like this blended family. And it's amazing. She is incredible. Yeah, I feel like I feel like all of you guys just watching from the first season to now, you guys are just had so much growth and I think well at least the women a lot yeah the women really had a lot of growth and I think that's good to see I, I don't I don't know but I don't the men are still <laughs> working on yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say anything yeah anyway somebody some people were asking now that you bought a home in the valley if you see yourself ever making the move to the new reality show with Jax Brittany and Kristen and if you guys still speak and if you guys are still good friends yeah, I'm actually friends with every single cast member on that show. Like, that is my friend group. So it would be fun to, I mean, hopefully, you know, Vanderpump Rules stays on forever. I'm never going to yeah. jump ship from Vanderpump to go on to the Valley. But if I could do both shows, that would be the goal. That would be so fun because it is literally my friend group. Okay, so without giving too much away, what can people look forward to this season 
a lot of awkward conversations. Um, some are they all awkward because most of you guys are sober now, so it's really hard for you guys to just have to do that. There was the most sobriety ever on season eleven. I was shocked at how much non-drinking was going on. <laughs> like we're in Tahoe. And by the end of the trip, we look and the handle of vodka was never even opened. We're like, who are we? If this isn't growth, I don't know what it is. It's stocked with Heineken zeros in the That's fridge. So and yeah, so um, yeah, I guess you could expect a lot less drinking other than there was, I do have one night where I drank a little too much, but it's usually one of those days a season I'll give myself where I'm just like, eh, fuck it. Right. And then I watch it back and I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, no, you were so funny. I'm like, was I? Because I don't remember. Do you but, get really drunk and you're like, it's my time to start the show? It might come off that way a little bit. Uh-huh. I don't know. But it was a fun night with awkward conversations that I wasn't expecting to have. Um, and I think you'll see some mashup, so to call it, um, pairings of people that you wouldn't necessarily think would hang out, hanging out. And yeah, just... um. A lot of interesting conversations. Okay, so people want to know, what do you think? Is Billy Lee in love with Tom Sandoval? There's something more than just friends there. I don't know if it's on both sides, but the way she was looking at him in the cold plunge. Yes. I I was like, what is this? What am I watching right now? Exactly. And I feel like their friendship only works because all they ever talk about is Sandoval. Yeah. So I think that's the only reason it works. And yeah, the way she was, she always looked at him is like. Yeah, whether there is a deeper, different type of love there, if it's an admiration, the way she looks at him. Yeah, I, I watched that back and I'm like, did you did you guys see that? Or Do you think it's because she's in love with him or is it because that's her ploy to kind of maybe potentially become a full time person on the show? I don't think she's necessarily in love with him. I think they do have, you know, a really strong friendship that they've had for several years now. And she was one of the very few people who stuck by him when everyone else, you know, in the entire world turned their back on him. Mm. So I think that's maybe put their friendship at a different level because he did not have many people on his side. I mean, less than a handful. Yeah, and it must be hard. It's one thing when you mess up, but it's another thing when you mess up on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I mean, I can't imagine, regardless if you do something bad or not, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to get hate. I mean, we get hate every single day. So I'm yeah. actually really publicly fucking scale. up. Yeah. So has he, since the show aired, has he sought therapy or been getting the help that he needs? Not that I'm aware of, but I don't talk to him like that. So... I don't know. You should be. Right. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. 40 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is so random, but I'm just really, there's one thing that I did not understand. How was that completely glossed over that Raquel gave up her dog and he was just going around places? That was really that was you'll get more of that in Tahoe coming up. Oh, like okay. the full that story. Was really confusing. The way, you know, they like to end on a cliffhanger because then it's like next week. But uh. we so at that time when James was at Vanderpump Dogs, none of us had any idea about Graham 
And so you get that full story coming up of what exactly happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I was really confused. Yeah, wait, now the dog's just back and it's like, next and episode. I, <laughs> and I don't even get why she just gave it away. Like, that was really confusing. You'll find all of oh, that out. so we'll find that yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. The last thing I would ask you before we move on to some more personal things about you is, what would you say some of the biggest challenges you faced filming uh, this season? This was the most difficult season for me to film because of the Sandoval of it all and just how this affair and his actions affected me in so many ways, which I felt like I wasn't able to explain because then I'm making Ariana's situation about me. And so I was trying to tread lightly while also going through my own pain and feelings about things where it even related to my nanny, for example, where I'm like, oh, she seems great on paper and great referrals and whatnot, but I'm clearly not the best judge of character because I thought Sandoval was a stand-up guy. And then look at this. And then it's just made me rethink so many things in my life. And that affected me so much this summer as well, just as one example. So there were so many of those things that I was going through personally that I felt like I didn't have the right to go through personally because it was Ariana and it was only about Ariana. So trying to navigate that this season, saying enough, but not saying at all because I was trying my best to not make it about me. I don't know how that's even going to come across. I feel like that is why sometimes I'm so misunderstood is because I'm trying to respect other people and not make it about me. But in return, I'm somehow still making it about me. Well, so, I think it's... It I mean, you can say that about everyone on the yeah. show. The funniest thing was when you and um, Sandoval were talking about narcissists and then you told him what a narcissist is. He was like, that's not a definition. And then he's like, and then he went and said that Lala Deflects. is. So then, and then on Reddit, everyone's trying to name who's a narcissist, which by the way, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The real narcissist, there's only 2% in the world that are actually narcissistic, been diagnosed. But what other people t tend to have are narcissistic tendencies. Absolutely. So, and yeah. I think it's funny when people say that about me. I'm like, oh, come on. That is such a stretch. Literally, I feel like I have the smallest ego out of our cast. Like, I feel I agree, like I have yeah. so many insecurities and things that I'm like, when I see people say, oh, Sheena's such a narcissist, it makes me laugh. Well, good, because that means you don't <laughs> believe it. No, not at all. Yeah, no. I mean, everyone has little narcissistic tendencies, especially yeah. in entertainment. And everyone with a phone on social media that posts their pictures has narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. So people stop, should stop using that word. Totally. But I did really like what you just said about not trusting yourself. And I feel like a lot of people can ignore that with themselves. And I, f I think I can, I personally could relate to that because a while back I was dating someone and I thought they were a completely different person. And then when we parted ways, I couldn't believe that uh, that was my judgment. I couldn't believe that that was the person I picked. And it made me then completely not trust myself and my decision making. So then I didn't date again for quite some time because mm -hmm. I just couldn't trust myself. Yeah. And I think unless people are in that type of situation, they just can't really understand what that means. Mm -hmm. When if you make one bad decision, you're like, OK, maybe I just don't know how to make any decisions. Yeah. And I feel like everyone took it as me being upset about the affair. Cause I'm like, oh, I lost Tom. And I'm like, 
No, it wasn't about that. It was everything, the fallout that happened after that, me questioning myself as a person, my own judge of character, me having to hear rumors about my husband on the internet and having to fight those. And there were just so many things that happened because of this that did affect me personally. And I don't think that has ever really been shown properly. Do you think you'll ever get to a point in your life where you just one day are going to just do things for you and your family and stop worrying so much about how you may be portrayed and whether it's going to make people not like you or whether it's going to make people think you're a narcissist and so on? I think this is the year of doing that. Yeah, I think I tried my hardest this season. I'm going to try my hardest at the reunion to just stand my ground and to just be like, you know what? You, you and you may not agree with my decisions, but I can sleep at night and I feel okay with my decision. Simple as that. Okay, so let's move on to what you've been going through aside from all of that, which has been battling with postpartum OCD. And I was wondering if you, for my listeners who maybe did not go through that journey with you yet. Can you kind of take us back to the moment where you first realized you might be experiencing postpartum OCD and what were your thoughts and emotions that were running through your mind at the time? I didn't know what it was at the time. I knew obviously the pregnancy loss and traumatic birth that I had had put intrusive thoughts in my mind of something bad could happen to her because something bad had already happened to the first baby and then something bad happened to me in child labor. And I think that's where it started from. But for the first year, I didn't express any of my intrusive thoughts to anyone because I didn't want anyone to think I wanted to harm my child, that I wanted to harm my husband. It was just these dark thoughts that would go through my mind every day. And then one day, in therapy, I've been with my therapist maybe a year and a half at this point. It's obviously a safe space. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna say something and it might sound a little crazy, but I don't know who else I can say this to where I know it's a judgment-free zone. And when I opened up about that, immediately it clicked and she was like, have you ever been diagnosed with OCD? And I'm like, no, I do feel like I've been OCD my whole life, but I've never gone to see a doctor for it. I've never been medicated for it or anything. And then she's like, how are you with numbers? How are you with this? And all of the questions she was asking, I just related to. Then she, a week later, sent me a questionnaire and I had to rate different things and all of this. And she was like, look, I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't properly diagnose you and give you medication, but I can tell you textbook postpartum OCD with my intrusive thoughts about my daughter and just everything I was going through at the time. And she said that postpartum OCD is often misdiagnosed as postpartum depression. And a lot of people don't even know postpartum OCD is a thing. It's also not something that just goes away in a few months. People think postpartum is just the first few months after giving birth when it could be up to three to seven years. I mean, it can take a really long time for hormones to get back in order. And it's been a journey that I'm so thankful I did open up about when I did because I was able to start doing EMDR therapy to just reprocess and rewire my brain, which has been amazing that I'm actually able to talk about a lot of things without breaking down every time. I still do, obviously. <laughs> but 
it's made it so that I now feel like I have a platform where I can spread awareness and tell people that they're not alone and just have people know what to look out for, you know, what to ask your doctors about. You're maybe not depressed. Maybe it is postpartum OCD. There's postpartum anxiety. And there's so many things that come with being a mother that you don't know until you're in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so thankful that I have my podcast, the show, and just platforms to spread awareness for this because it's one thing that's not talked about a lot, just like miscarriage. There's so much stigma around these things that women especially go through that they're afraid to talk about, that they're embarrassed to talk about. And it's like, I want people to know that they're not alone and that it's not their fault, that it's, you know, normal, I guess you could say. But I've just really kind of made it my mission this past year to be as open and vocal about this experience as possible because I just based on the messages I've gotten know that I'm helping so many people. And at the end of the day, that is why I have wanted to stay in reality for as long as I have, because if I'm helping one person by sharing my story, then I'm literally doing my job and I feel like I'm doing good for, you know, all of these people. I think you are. And I think no one else can really relate to that that type of position unless you've gone through. But uh, I do know that when it comes to having a miscarriage or something goes wrong, a lot of women feel ashamed to speak Mm -hmm. about it because they feel as if they did something wrong, like their body didn't react the way you should normally react and that they feel guilty because they're supposed to create and they messed up. And I think same thing with postpartum OCD or depression. It's kind of the same thing where you're a mother. You're supposed to just be on top of you. You're supposed to have 75 jobs and clean the whole house and take care of your baby Mm -hmm. and also be really mentally great. And even if you were sad about the miscarriage, get over it. Or if you were sad about the baby, it's like, okay, wake up, get over it. Mm -hmm. And I think that must be really hard and, you know, isolating. Yeah, it has been at times. And that's why I'm so thankful. I do have a good therapist. I highly recommend EMDR therapy. That has been incredible because I was one of those women who blamed myself for the miscarriage. And no matter how many doctors in the world told me you're one in four, this is so common, there's nothing you did wrong. I still rethink about those seven and a half weeks that I was pregnant and what did I eat and what did I do and this and that. And it's normal. And I know every woman who's gone through that has had those feelings, but it was only until more recently in EMDR therapy, when we really just dove deep into that, that I realized it is not my fault. And if these things didn't happen the way they did, I wouldn't be where I am now. And just having to rewire the way my brain works and thinks and processes trauma, it's been really incredible for me to see the other side. Hmm. For people who don't know what MDR therapy is, can you elaborate? So it's EMDR. It's eye movement. So EMDR. Yeah. (laughs) Eye movement desensitization reprocessing, I think it stands for. And I think people can do it maybe in different ways. The way I do it, I'm in person with my therapist. I have these two buzzy things in my hand and there's a light bar that you follow and it goes back and forth and she has you focus on whatever traumatic experience, memory, whatever we want to dive into that day. And so I have these buzzy things and I'm watching it go back and forth and you just let your mind wander. 
And then whatever comes up, then after when she stops it, she goes, okay, so what did you think about? Where did your mind go? And I remember the first time I did it at one time, I was watching the light bar go back and forth and I go, I, it just kind of looked like Pac-Man and it was just like going back. I'm like, I was so distracted by the, and she was like, okay, well, let's, let's go with that. You know, just go with why you felt distracted and then see. And then it was like the next time I was watching it go back and forth, I was like, oh yeah, here's where I was at. And it brought me back to the memory I was at. And so going and following one memory to the next, to the next, to the next, you can start when you walk in at a nine or 10 of how traumatic this was and come out of it anywhere between a zero and a two. And then over time, if it was a two, when I came out, I feel a zero or a one. And it's been so incredible that this somehow does like rewire your brain. You reprocess the traumas in a way that has been life changing for me. How long have you been doing that type of therapy now? I started in September, right when we wrapped the season. I had my first and I've done several since. And it's been really incredible. Each time we try to focus on something a little different. And it's just overall really helped me, I think, feel mentally stronger Mm -hmm. and be able to talk about traumatic experiences without completely breaking down and crying every single time. And how long do you have to continue this type of therapy? I think everyone's different. I'm not going monthly. I haven't even scheduled my next one yet. I'm moving into a new house right now and she's down in San Diego. So it's like we kind of have to plan a weekend around being down there and whatnot. But I did one and then six weeks later, I did another and six weeks later, I did another. And I've felt like I've made so much progress in those that for the next one, I just want to see what comes up in talk therapy over the next month or two to see where we need to focus our next session on because it is kind of good to go in with an idea of what you want to focus on, reprocess, what really is a trigger at the moment. And sometimes you could go in not knowing and just seeing what comes up. But each session that I've had where I'm like, I really want to focus on when I got bullied as a kid and how this has affected me in my adult life with my female friendships. Let's go there. And there was a moment in seventh grade that I remembered and just things that by the end of it, I was like, oh, I actually feel better about these decisions and choices and whatnot. So Mm. it is a really cool experience, but it's also you bring everything to the surface. So it is a very emotional experience, but in a cleansing sort of way. So it feels almost like a mix of a little bit of a shadow work too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Right. Got it. So then doing that and revisiting seventh grade and things like that ends up in the end helping you with your current postpartum OCD. Mm-hmm. That's what- Yeah, going back to the pregnancy loss, I put so much blame on myself where after going through this entire EMDR focused around that and the traumatic labor that I experienced, I felt just much differently about the baby that I lost. And, you know, if I didn't lose that baby, Summer Moon wouldn't be here and just how things all tie back to one thing. And 
yeah, it just, it really made me rethink that experience and not be so hard on myself. I was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and just to see the other side of it instead of Mm -hmm. just blaming myself for something I did wrong that I felt like. I guess actually now that I think about it, it makes sense because when we're children during from kids to teenage years is when we develop all of our coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And our coping mechanisms are usually going to be the things that either serve us when we get in trouble Mm -hmm. or fear or the things that no longer serve us. So when you suddenly went through all that major stress again, that must have then triggered you to suddenly go back in in your inner self to a coping mechanism that helped you as a child to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going through now as an adult, which obviously wasn't serving you as much. Yeah. So that's amazing that you decided to do therapy for it. Do you mind maybe sharing when you were speaking of intrusive thoughts, kind of for anyone out there listening that may be going through the same thing? Do you mind elaborating? What does that mean? What type of intrusive thoughts you were having in the beginning? They're different. Sometimes the first apartment that I lived in when we brought Summer home, we were on the seventh floor and had a balcony. And if I would be standing out there with her as a baby, I mean, she wasn't moving much as, you know, a newborn. They're just a little meatloaf. But I would be standing out there and all of a sudden I would just see her like jump out of my arms and go off the balcony. And it's like, I know that's not going to happen, but I have to tell myself this isn't real. But it's what OCD does. It attaches to your biggest fear and then it shows you it in your mind. And I would see these things happen. I was driving behind my husband one time. He was on his motorcycle. We were moving from San Diego to LA when I was pregnant. And I'm driving behind him. And all of a sudden, I just saw like a semi truck hitting me and me running him over. And I'm like, I don't want to kill my husband. I don't want to run him over. I don't want to hit him. But it's just that was like my biggest fear driving. And I'm like, okay, 10 and two, you're pregnant, drive carefully, protect him. But I'm like, I can't protect a car behind me or on the side of me. And so having those type of thoughts, also there were so many times when I'm putting her down for a nap and I would think like, oh my God, what if something happens to me when I leave for work today? And she grows up without a mom and just going down that path. And it was just that's just a few examples of the hundreds of intrusive thoughts that I've had. And I mean, it was daily and it was debilitating. I'm yeah, I'm sure I I can't imagine experiencing all those thoughts. I mean, we all have different thoughts, but thoughts like that, especially when someone else, a child, a baby is dependent on you. That Mm -hmm. must be really scary. Yeah. You did see your therapist asked you about OCD. So would you say you ever had any signs of OCD before your pregnancy? Oh, definitely. And when she said, how are you with numbers? I was like, oh my God, let me tell you. I have followed 420 people on Instagram for the last 10 years because I like that number. I used to be a stoner and there were things like that with the TV volume. I would have to go up to like 33 instead of 32. And just with my air conditioning, it would have to be where it's like the little, little, little big dot. It would have to be on the big one and just things like that where I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, absolutely, I do that. And then there were the fears of me doing stuff alone with my daughter. And so I just started doing exposure therapy on my own, which I didn't even know was what I was doing. And there were two girls I met at an event one night and I wanted to follow them on Instagram. But then I'm like, I actually know the other 420 people I follow. So who am I going to unfollow? And that was something I did for years. If I would want to follow someone new, I would have to unfollow someone. And it was just 
this stupid thing that I did, but it was my brain. And I meet these two girls and I was like, now I'm at 422. And I'm like, then the next week and I'm like, now I'm at 424. And then I was like, fuck it. Follow as many people as you want. I'm at like 800 something now. The amount of connections I've made in the last year that I just said, fuck the number. It's been so free. Now it doesn't bother me at all. And I told my therapist, I was like, so I followed a couple of people and I'm like, this may sound dumb. She goes, Sheena, that's exposure therapy. She's like, I didn't even introduce you to that yet. And you're already doing it. And then one of my biggest fears was to either fly alone with my daughter or take her to Disneyland by myself. And I did it. I went to Disneyland a whole day, just her and I. And it was like so big for me. I documented the whole thing on my vlog because I'm like, this was a huge fear of mine to drive alone, park, get her in the stroller, make sure she has the snacks and I have the diapers and this. And it was just like, it's, it's a lot to take a toddler to Disneyland by yourself. But I did it. And that was a really big thing for me. And then flying, I've done it by myself where Brock was in the back of the plane and I was fortunate. It was like a work trip and I had my <laughs> business class seat, but it was like, I did it all by myself. He was on the plane if I needed something. But I was like, that was just another step too. Where I'm like, I absolutely, okay, if I could go to Disneyland with a toddler, TSA in a flight is nothing. <laughs> so right. just through doing exposure work, I've realized that and then I've also since then had a brain scan with Dr. Amen, and yes, diagnosed by a doctor, OCD. But through exposure work, through EMDR, I've been able to get on the right supplement plan and find ways to cope with this to where it's not completely debilitating on a daily basis. Supplement plan, that means medication? Yeah, but it's all natural and vitamins. I did, I think where we're at on the show right now, I'm still on Zoloft. I eventually stopped taking that. I weaned off that. And then I tried microdosing for a few months and I wasn't feeling the same relief as I was with Zoloft. After I got the brain scan with Dr. Amen, he put me on his supplement plan and I've felt almost as good as I did when I was on the Zoloft. But the Zoloft, I felt like numbed me a little more. Whereas this, I feel mentally stronger. I still have emotion but it's more rational and it's been also life-changing. Can you describe then a particularly one of your most challenging moments or experience that you faced during your journey of finding out that you had postpartum OCD? I think just dealing with the intrusive thoughts of like, why am I thinking about death almost all day, every day and multiple instances where I'm, you know, seeing myself die or my daughter die or my husband die or not even being able to picture her in high school because I'm like, well, what if I'm not here? What if she's not here? And so I think that was the biggest thing and the hardest thing for me that still is there. It's not gone completely, but it's not as often and it is yeah. better. And people think that if someone has a partner when they're going through that, then it should be easier because your partner will be there for you. But I can't even imagine the fear of, what if I say this to my partner? What if I say this to my family? And they're going to look at me like you, you're crazy and now I regret saying something. Mm -hmm. So how did he react the first time that you told him? He felt really sad for me because he was just like, oh my God, that's what you go through in your head? Like he had no idea it was that dark. And mm -hmm. so I think that also made him able to have a little more sympathy for me and to give me some grace to understand like it's not just 
anxiety. It's not just a fear. It's something real that I'm struggling with. And I finally opened up to my therapist. I opened up to him. And as much as he can't understand it because he doesn't experience it, he's better with giving me grace and just trying to support me in whatever ways he can because unless you experience it, it's really hard to understand. Yeah, exactly. I think it's good. Sometimes you just need someone to just be there versus if, especially if they can't understand. So do you have any last words for anyone listening that's currently going through anything similar that you wish someone would have told you back then? I think just opening up to people you feel safe with, whether that's a therapist, a friend, a family member, a partner, whoever it may be, keeping things inside is so hard. Even if there's only one person you tell everything to that you trust, it's so freeing being able to vent in a safe space. And to some that's a therapist, it could be a manager, a mother, a brother, a friend, you know, whoever it is, I think just to have your safe space and your person, because when you can get things off your chest and get either if you need validation or another opinion about it or just someone to listen and to say, I hear you, that does wonders. I agree. I think you you it takes a while for you to learn that um, you you just you can't do everything on your own. Totally. You need people. Yeah. OK, uh, where can people find you? Everything is at Sheena, S-C-H-E-A-N-A, my podcast here at Dear Media, Shenanigans, new episodes every Friday, Vanderpump Rules every Tuesday, and new vlogs on YouTube every Wednesday. Wow, okay, you're busy. Yeah, (laughs) booked and busy. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Thank you. Bye, guys. We'll see you, I don't know, next week or this week sometime. (laughs) Bye.